Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, Pamela Moss, estate planning attorney, mom, and owner of Law Mother. All right, so today's guest for the Working Moms Podcast is Lynn Power. She is the co-founder and CEO of Masami. Lynn, thank you much, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, we were going to talk today about marketing and launching a business. And I'd love to kind of start off by, you know, you're a CEO, this co-founder and, you know, this person who has so much experience in marketing. Could you kind of share a little bit about your background and kind of your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, sure. So I am a long time, keyword long as an old, um, uh, advertising executive. I spent 30 years in advertising and marketing and I was running agencies towards the end of my career. So I, I was running Arnold and then uh, J. Walter Thompson, New York. And I kind of reached the point where I thought, you know, there's just not a whole lot for me to do in advertising that I felt I hadn't already done. And on top of that, I was doing a lot of the stuff day to day that I didn't really like, like dealing with finance and HR and legal and putting out fires and not really thinking about creativity, which is why I got in the business to begin with. So I just felt this like really unsatisfied part of my life where um, I wasn't building brands anymore. I wasn't really thinking about, about my right and left brain, both. I was just kind of doing a lot of keeping, keeping, uh, you know, the things afloat. So I left in 2018. Um, and I decided to start a brand consultancy, which was great, but, um, and we were working almost exclusively with startups. So that was super fun. But then the universe kind of intervened as it sometimes does. And, um, I was introduced to my co-founder partner, James, through my husband, actually. Um, and now you're going to understand the name and the pronunciation because James's husband is Masa. Oh, and Masa, okay. yeah. So Masa's from Japan and James would go back and forth with Masa to visit Masa's family for the last decade or so, or even longer, and was really enamored with well, first of all, they have the longest life expectancy in the world. So there's like a whole wellness culture there that just hasn't permeated, you know, us here in the U.S. as much. But he was really enamored with their diets and their personal care routines and the products they were using and the ingredients they were using and the botanicals that they were pulling out right from the ocean. And that was how Masami really was born. And Masa, James's husband, is really our, our muse. I mean, he's the one that kind of led us to this amazing ingredient. Um, and it also, that name, Masami, means truly beautiful in Japanese. So that was just like a really nice serendipitous thing when it all came together. So I met James in 2018. He'd been working on these formulations for a really long time, like 10 years. I thought he was absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> but then I tried the products and I'm like, oh, he's actually a genius. He's not nuts and uh, love the products. And we decided to launch a company together. And I think it's been a great partnership because my background is advertising, marketing, branding, brand positioning, all that stuff. And he was a producer for many years. He worked at Clairol. Um, he worked for a bunch of different beauty brands. So he really understands that side of the business. Um, and he's really intuitive and great with the formulations. So he knows how to 
do the research and figure out what ingredients and um, he's just got an unbelievable talent for that. Even though he's not a chemist, we have a chemist who actually does our formulas, but he basically tells them what to do. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's why I think, you know, we came together to launch, to launch Masami. We launched officially in February of 2020, right before COVID hit, which was quite interesting because we had a plan. And of course that plan went by the wayside and we have a new plan <laughs> and, and, um, it's been, it's been good. I mean, it's, it's unpredictable in a lot of ways, but I will say like, it's, it's been, it's been good. Our business um, has gotten a lot of traction and momentum. And I think people are really interested in clean beauty products these days, especially with COVID. So a few follow-up questions there, cause you kind of mentioned, you know, you had these positions more in the corporate world and, you know, have so much experience. And then you got to this point where, you know, it wasn't really fulfilling you from a creative standpoint. It sounds like from a, a personal standpoint, and then all these kind of factors came together and you were really inspired to create this brand. And what is it about kind of the clean beauty? Was there something, did you know that you wanted to kind of go into that industry? Was there some kind of personal reason that spoke to you or was it um, kind of that that story of getting to know um, a kind of personally yourself or what was it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess I would say I've always loved working on beauty businesses. And when you're in advertising, one of the cool things about that industry is you get to work on lots of different brands and lots of different industries. And I've worked on almost everything you can imagine from, you know, tampons to finances to booze, you know, um, I haven't worked on cars. That's one industry I haven't, I haven't done, but I, I've always found myself gravitating back to beauty. I worked on Clinique and did a lot of their global TV. We, uh, I worked on Vichy, on Nexus, on L'Oreal, all of L'Oreal's hair products. So, um, you know how sometimes in your life, you know, you just keep circling back to certain themes or certain things. And beauty was one of those. I just always really loved it. And I had a lot of experience doing hair specifically even though my hair is not particularly, you know, anything. Um, so I really gravitated to, to that. And so when I, when I met James and heard what he was doing, it just really spoke to me. And, you know, I think a lot of business is, yes, you have to have a passion for what you're doing. And for us, clean beauty was really important, but also for me, sustainability and, we have uh, a foundation called the Masami Institute that supports ocean research in Northeast Japan, where we get our ingredient. And I just, I just always was frustrated by the beauty business because there's such a contributor to um, waste and plastic and problems, frankly, you know, both, both in the environment and frankly, the toxins that they're putting in the products. Um, and I knew from working on hair care that 90% of products in the U.S., hair care products in the U.S. still have sulfates and parabens and phthalates, even though they're kind of known to not be good for you. So um, I just felt like that was an opportunity for sure. And um, it's been it's been great because I think I think part of it is finding a partner or a co-founder that that you really gel with. And I actually do quite a bit of mentoring for, for other founders. And that's a question I get a lot. If somebody's thinking of starting a business and maybe your listeners will appreciate this too, 
is um, don't find a partner or a founder, co-founder that's like you, you know, don't clone yourself thinking you can get twice as much done because it actually doesn't work that way. Um, you need to find somebody that has complementary skill sets where you can really divide and conquer, but you meet in the middle like a Venn diagram. So in the middle, you align on the values and what really is important to you and to the company, but then you both kind of have your, your superpowers. I love that. Oh, That's such great advice. And one of the things you mentioned is you mentor founders. Is that something, do you have a consulting business or is that something you do with some type of group or? No, it's that. more just that I've kind of always done that in my career. I've always had people ask me to just help them or give them mm -hmm. advice. I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn that I didn't know that were like, Hey, do you think I could pick your brain? I almost always say yes. I don't respond to the LinkedIn spam emails that I get all the time that are like, we can, you know, grow your business by 10 times, you know? So those, those I ignore, but if somebody sends me a note and they're like, Hey, um, I'm launching, this happened to me actually last year, I'm launching an SEO business. I'd love some tips. I'd love some help. And then, you know, I spoke to that particular person, a woman like once a month and she'd say, this is what I did this month. What do you think? And, and it was good. And then she got up and running and she didn't really need that counsel anymore. So she's great. Um, but I do that with a number of founders. Um, it's, it's been more organic. It's not like there's a group. I, I'm a part of a bunch of groups, but that is not something that came out of those. It was more like I'd meet some founders. We'd start to talk about our challenges. Um, and I think there are a lot of founders who don't have a, you know, a branding or marketing background. And so it can be really complicated. You know, it's hard to navigate figuring out digital, figuring out, you know, where you should put your, your two nickels. If you're like me and you're a, you know, bootstrap startup that doesn't have investment money, then you got to be really careful. And you have to think about, you know, do I put it in Facebook or do I put it in Google or do I put it in Pinterest or Instagram, wherever. Um, so you need to, to have some systems in place and some, um, you know, an analytical approach to figuring out how to go to market, really, um, how to connect with your consumers, understanding where they are, you know, we, we always, there's always surprises too. You know, when we launched, I thought we would be really talking to what I call um, the Henry's, um, which is high, high earners, not rich yet, like 30 year olds. They live in, you know, New York city or LA beauty explorers, splurge on beauty products. But in fact, our consumers fall into a couple different groups. One is older. It's like, you know, women, in their 40s and 50s whose hair is just not looking as good as it used to. Um, another one is pregnancy because our products are clean. And so that's a time when I think women are kind of reevaluating what they're putting in and on their body. And then another group is men. We actually have 40% of our customers are men. And we, we purposely are gender neutral. So that's not surprising. It's just that I've made like zero attempt to find the men and they're finding us. So I don't, that's just been interesting. I wouldn't have thought that we would have quite so many guys loving our products, but, but we do. And I'm happy about it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I, you know, I have a newborn and so something that I've been really working on is clean beauty. And so I, it's exciting to kind of hear about the product and to kind of hear about that passion, because I do think that there's, um, it's, it's, it's scary. It's frustrating to find, to look for products when you're pregnant and not know where to go and what there is. And, um, so it's great to hear about a company that's more innovative on this end. 
So one of the things I wanted to kind of follow up on is this idea of people that might be listening who are kind of small business owners and you're kind of coming as this powerhouse, right? You have, you know, you've worked with all the major brands and then you've worked with startups and your own startups. And what is your advice for people? You kind of touched on it, but those kind of bootstrapping entrepreneurs who maybe have a smaller marketing budget when they're getting started, where should they be kind of investing their dollars or what tips do you have for them marketing and launching their business up front? So the first thing you need to do, which is not sexy, but you got to figure out your brand positioning um, because when I was consulting and when I was also in advertising, um, I would see a lot of brands who kind of just don't want to do that heavy lifting. And so they'll launch a product. This is especially true for some of the smaller startups that I worked with. They'll be really enamored with their product. They'll launch it. Um, but then a year or two will go by and their communications is like a dog's breakfast because they haven't spent any time really thinking about what are the brand pillars? What is the brand values? Um, what's the brand voice? You know, what's the brand archetype? And the thing is, if you just spend a little time up front and nail that stuff down, everything falls out of that. Then your innovation pipeline falls out of that. Um, your content strategy falls out of that because you can really start to create chapters of your story once you know what your title of your book is, you know? So um, I would say, number one, do that, even though, like I said, it's not sexy and it is for some people hard because they've never done that. But there are lots of like templates and things you can use, I'm sure, to, to figure out how to synthesize your, your story and positioning. Secondly, I would say figure out your capabilities you need. If you're a direct-to-consumer business or an e-commerce business, you need people that understand digital acquisition. If you're going to be on Amazon, you need somebody who understands Amazon, you know, and if it's not you, that's fine, but you just need someone who's got that expertise. And I always say to women, because women tend to make this mistake a lot, which is they think they need to know everything and that they need to be experts in like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I mean, no one, first of all, no one is. And in some of the cases, like you talk about Facebook or any of the social platforms, they're changing so fast that you can't keep up unless you're only doing that 24 seven. And you're not only doing that, you're dealing with every other aspect of your business. So you got to outsource some of that knowledge to people that really go deep and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and figure out what you love to do and what you're good at and then outsource the rest. That's the other thing, because sometimes people do stuff that they really shouldn't be doing, you know? And, um, and then it's just, not fulfilling for them. They don't get the best outcome. I'm not a spreadsheet person. I have a CFO who does breathtaking spreadsheets. He loves that. Awesome. Go for it. Not me. So that's another piece of advice. But then once you have those things figured out, I would say do a soft launch where you can test your proposition, make sure that it's scalable and make sure that you iron out all the any any kinks in the strategy or in the execution. So you know, get some friends and family to test out your ecom site. Um, get people. Make sure you get people to try your product, obviously. Um, but you know, make sure everything's working. Your fulfillment's working. All the different pieces are working um, before you really launch. And then, obviously, once you launch, there are a lot of resources for small businesses. Um, that are invaluable. So some of my favorites, um, number one would probably be Haro. 
I don't know if you know that site. It's help a out. Yeah. And it's great because you can pitch your product or your expertise if you're a service business to reporters looking for stories. Um, and it's, I think I pay $19 a month or something. It's really inexpensive. So that's a great resource if you can't afford to bring in a full scale, you know, PR army. Um, another great one is an app that I use a lot called Video Leap, where you can edit your own videos. And what I love about it, it's all on the iPhone. It's very intuitive. I mean, if I can do it, pretty much anybody can do it. Um, and it's just a great way to get some content, you know, and, and start to um, build some, you know, some messaging out there um, pretty easily. So that's a, a really good resource. And then there's things like, you know, we use Slack. Our team is very heavy on Slack, which is just a, rate, a great way to keep people up to speed on what's going on. And then there are a lot of other good um, things like if you have a, a product, not a service, um, you might want to consider um, a, a platform like Dojo Mojo, which partners brands together to help grow each other's email lists which is super helpful too. So you just have to be thinking about all these different pieces of your funnel and of your ecosystem and what you need. And the good thing is these days, there are a lot of other startups trying to solve those problems for startups like mine. <laughs> so you can find a lot of interesting, good partners. We do a lot of live streaming. For example, we're on um, Spin Live and we just joined one called ShopLit. And we also are on an app called Ziggy, which is for influencers who want to, you know, get paid for promoting our products. So like there's lots of, there's lots of technology available that doesn't cost much at all um, that you can take advantage of and just start to start to spread the word about your product. And I will include those links in the show notes. Um, is there a Dojo Mojo for service-based businesses? I don't know. It's a really good idea if there would be, but it's much more product-based. Um, so like right now we're doing a giveaway with a bunch of other beauty brands, for example. Um, and, you know, to enter the giveaway, they have to, people have to put their email address. Um, so it's been for us, it's been a really good way for us to, to grow our following. Um, but I don't, I don't think they have it for service business, but there's probably some kind of equivalent somebody's probably doing something right. Or if not, that's an idea, right? <laughs> um, and then kind of to kind of shift gears here, um, you know, being a working mom and this being the working moms podcast, how has, how do you kind of balance everything? What are the challenges you face? Obviously we're now in a pandemic, so there's different challenges than normal, but I would love to hear kind of your advice and your journey so far. Yeah, so um, I've worked pretty much 100% of the time since I've been a mom. So I never, I shouldn't say that I had my three months of, of maternity leave. So I had that, but that was it, three months. Um, and, and I've worked nonstop. And I've always been the kind of person when I left one job, I would leave on a Friday and start the next job on a Monday, which is great. I, I've learned as I've gotten older that that's just not smart but it took me a while to kind of figure that out. But anyway, um, I would say now I've got a very different approach to how I kind of think about my kids, which is I blend everything together. 
now my kids are also older, so it's, it's a little bit easier because they're processing and watching and, you know, kind of assessing things that I'm doing, but they're also very strategic and have a point of view and can help me understand TikTok and things that I don't get. So my kids are teenagers, they're 19 and 17. And now what I do is I just drag them to, to, to shit. You know, I will take them to, um, I took my daughter at the time, she was 16. I made her come to a beauty trade show right before COVID, it was in January in LA. Um, and she had to work the booth and wear a Masami shirt and she was mortified. I mean, it, it, was, it was beautiful. And I've taken my son to conferences and, um, and I think, you know, not everybody can do that, but if you have the flexibility in your work, it, it's definitely benefited us in a lot of ways. It's given my kids a much deeper understanding of what I'm doing and why I'm busy and, you know, why I can't drop everything and drive one of them to, you know, whatever, um, uh, but it's also given them an appreciation for being an entrepreneur and a career and what types of things might inspire them. So, you know, they don't necessarily want to get into marketing, but they're exposed to lots of different things through what I'm doing. And that's kind of, you can see the wheels kind of turning as they're sort of like, oh, that could be kind of cool. I like what, I like the analytics side of, of that conversation you have, you know, and they're always listening they're probably listening now, <laughs> um, but that's, that's what I do. I just, I just blend everything. And what I also did when I left my corporate job, I basically only work with my friends now. Now, not everybody has the benefit of being able to do that either, but you know, when you're in a corporate job, you have to work with the people that are there <laughs> to hire everyone. And look, most of the people are great but they're not always the people you would choose to work with, right? When you are doing your own thing, you can be much, much more rigorous about like, who do you want to surround yourself with? And now I almost think of it as like a family because my co-founder James and his husband Masa are like a family to my family. Um, you know, James was here on Thanksgiving. Like, it's just, you know, it's just really nice when you work with people that you, truly love and you like to spend time with and you know you you respect each other and support each other and it just makes things so so much easier because it's hard you know launching a business is really hard even though it's fun and we have great days it's still really hard so you need the support that's such great advice and i love kind of the examples you gave of blending and you know part of that is blending in a way that um, gives like enriches your children's life and allows them to kind of understand who you are and why you are and it, and, and they get to take away so much. And um, you kind of made this joke that they may not want to get into marketing <laughs> at some point. Um, but what is such a great gift for them to kind of be immersed with that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, which, you know, not everyone gets a lot of people, um, you know, are, don't have that um, as an example for them. So that's so powerful. Do you, um, have things kind of changed over time? Like when you were, when the children were younger, did you, do you, did you try different things as far as the blending and kind of, kind of find your own style or, or how did that go? Um, I think when I was younger, it was more cut and dried. Like I would go to work, I'd come home, you know what I mean? And 
when the kids were really young, I had a nanny in New York City who was very strict about when I could come home. It was like six o'clock. And if I was a minute late, I'd be, she'd be calling me. And, you know, and I used to have these conversations that are like, look, my job is super unpredictable. You know, I have clients sometimes calling me at 5.30 and I have to solve something and I can't always get home right. Um, you know, but it was always like one of those challenging things. Um, but my, my, my life was much more compartmentalized. Um, and then I think as I got, obviously, you know, older and I became more entrepreneurial, it's gotten, it's gotten a lot easier, but you know, one, one challenging thing that we've, that we've been dealing with, which I think a lot of other parents can probably relate to is dealing with a kid who has, um, you know, pretty, I don't want to say extreme, but has, has, you know, significant anxiety and depression, um, which is my daughter and helping her, try to figure that out. Um, I will say in her case, she's done far more helping herself than me helping her because she's really self-aware and she's educating me and my husband all the time to have a mental illness. And um, it's not something that when I grew up was talked about. So, you know, parents that are my age or younger don't really have that reference point uh, because we just didn't, it wasn't part of our world really, um, for now at least. Um, so that's just another aspect of, you know, how that's sort of evolved. And, and I found with my daughter, um, getting her a bit involved in the business has been really great, actually. She's a really talented artist and she's helping me with some design work. And that's been super fun. So, um, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think there, you know, there is still some somewhat of a stigma for some people and it's good to know um, that there is support out there and that, you know, your people aren't alone in, in struggling with that, but also that you can, you know, find resources and find ways to support. So thank you for sharing that. Um, before we kind of wrap up, I always ask um, each guest, what is your legacy? such a hard question. Um, I think now I would say um, creating products that are good for you and good for the environment that are high performing. And, and that feels really fulfilling for me right now because there's no reason you should be using stuff that has toxins in it. It kills me. It's like, why is this stuff even on the market? But it is. And I just think there's a better way. Um, and good for the environment, meaning more sustainable. We're launching a large size refillable bottle next month, which I'm really excited about. Um, it's hard to be a brand that's pro ocean like we are and then have plastic bottles like we're in because we're in the shower and you can't really have glass and you're limited. So this was a really, this this creating this kind of refillable bottle took us a good two years to figure out. So I'm really glad to get that out in the market. That's, that's great. And it's powerful. And thanks for sharing that before we sign off, what is the best way for people to follow you and get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm super easy to find. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on all of the social platforms as Lynn powered, but you can also follow Masami at love Masami hair. That's our social handle on everything. Um, our website is just love Masami.com L O V E M A S A M I com. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lynn. It was great. Thank you. Bye. 
Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, lawmother.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links you heard in today's episode. You'll also be able to get access to my free legal tool for you to name legal guardians for your children to protect them and have that peace of mind. It's all right there at lawmother.com.